passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It's John Pollock along with Wei Ting. And I only have one question, Wei. Are you looking at me on the right side of your computer or the left side? Which column am I occupying and what is the update? It is the right side, the bigger oh. uh, part of the screen, of the cracked screen. So, um, well, the update is that my computer is still uh, un- unfortunately not fixed. But, it's a but good we can news, see you. News. This is an improvement from Monday. Well, yeah, because Monday, like, the screen was completely off, so it's been intermittently flashing on and off. So it, at some point, uh, I think it, there's, like, a loose connector in there or something. So, like, I've been trying not to touch my computer at all. So uh, let's hope, you know, it stays up for the rest of this this podcast. But it really is a good news, bad news situation because I did bring my computer to the Apple Store the other day. Really thinking that I really had no chance because, like, they state that it's not covered. This type of damage is not covered under my warranty. Um, I must have like, you know, done something really good in a past life. Cause this Apple store dude was like, uh, we can cover it. Oh, wow. $150, 100% of the, of the cost of that. So that was just like a huge relief. Shout out to the dude in the Apple store. Um, and yeah, so now I just have to wait for the part. But, you know, it, it, it is going to be covered. Wow. Well, that's that's quite the uh, advancement in this whole saga. I'm glad to yeah. hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, uh, well, let's hope it comes through. I mean, the whole time he was, like, telling me, I'm like, um, I thought he was just going to, like, take it back somehow. Like, he, like, he'd go deep into my file and be like, you? No. But uh, it worked out. Or, there you go, Apple. The um, doing those good deeds. Sure. Like every, yeah. Everything they do, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> good for Apple. Congratulations. That's great. Yes. 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 Well, everybody. Yes. Well, on that note, we have uh, tonight's show to to go through. So, welcome back, everyone. That is live here in the Zoom room. We are back. We it was audio only on Monday, but nonetheless, we still had a show. It was a little weird not seeing you, just having to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. The show got done. It was fine. It was a pretty good show, I thought, actually. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. A little, uh, little different. We had a lot to discuss on Monday. Mm-hmm. As we do tonight, uh, a lot that will center around tonight's edition of Fight for the Fallen. 
Yeah. Very busy edition of AEW. But coming up this week, we've got a couple of shows still to go this week. Quite a few, actually, including on Thursday. Uh, this was not intentional. It's just the way it worked out that for our Bellator 263 preview show, uh, Phil wanted to stream it live. And it just so happens that we are streaming it on the post YouTube channel at one o'clock Eastern time, which is directly head to head with the wellness <laughs> policy for cafe members. I completely did not mean to do this. So I'm going to encourage everyone. I've never done this before. Don't watch us. Go check out the wellness policy because it's not going to be available for everyone until next week because of our schedule. So live is your only chance to get it this week. Ours will be archived immediately afterwards. We don't we don't need the uh, the live love. You can come to. We were second to the dance, and we are going to defer. If if NXT could have been so gracious, they could have avoided a lot of problems over the last two years. But uh, we are going head to head live tomorrow. So uh, Bellator two sixty three and. The state of play. You could not have two contrasting shows. There's going to be zero crossover between subject matter. Yeah, I'm pretty much thinking there's not going to be much overlap. So you can listen to whatever you want uh, at any time, whenever you choose to listen to it. I mean, as much as I would love to engage in the Thursday at 1 p.m. wars with you, John, and make this a regular thing, I, I don't think we're in too much danger of people overlapping their interests here. Well, uh, I, I look forward to uh, the wellness policy, and I, I'm very much looking forward to this Bellator card on Saturday. It's an awesome main event with Patricio Pitbull Freite and AJ McKee. So we will have the preview show on Thursday to catch everyone up to speed. If maybe they're hearing a bit of buzz about this fight, why it is such an important fight, and the backgrounds of both individuals, and we'll take a look at the main card. And then we'll be live Saturday night right after the card. It's airing at 10 Eastern on Showtime, and in Canada... There's no TV deal for Bellator, so what they've been doing is just putting their cards up free live on YouTube. So it's very easy to watch them, and it's a very big fight on Saturday night, and then we'll be live immediately afterwards. And you're getting all three of us, myself, Phil, and Eric Marcotte, who will be doing the preview and post-show. Also on Thursday is Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure. They will not be live, but it will be up on uh, Thursday afternoon, where they are reviewing the Best in the World documentary, not a documentary about Darby Allen, but instead that WWE put out on CM Punk back in 2012. And they're also going to share their thoughts about John Cena and CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011. So a very uh, punk-heavy edition of the wrestling adventure. Friday, we've got Rewind to SmackDown live at 10.15 Eastern with our calls. And we're going to be joined on Friday by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. So that will be a separate show that's going up chatting about the WWE's uh, second quarterly report this year. It comes out Thursday evening, followed by the call with analysts, and we will go through the call and all of the uh, the earnings report with Brandon. Always look forward to those quarterly chats with Brandon. Yes, as always. A lot of stuff coming out. Anything else, John? Uh, WH Park and JP Houlihan on Sunday. They will have the long and winding Royal Road chatting about Masawa versus Akira Tawe from the Champion Carnival Finals in 1995. So... That's what's uh, coming up this weekend. Postwrestling.com. Yeah, and also Braden and Davey on their Up Next feed have a review of The Dark Knight Rises coming out tomorrow at some point too. So we have you covered. Again, we do it for the truck drivers. That is it. Yes. Catch catch their latest review. I can't believe there were this many Batman movies that were created. It just, they're never ending. Oh, there's more after this one even. Boy, they just, man, they, they milked the hell out of that bat. 
Um, so that's that's up as well. And rewind away. Last plug. WrestleMania 28. Two and a half hour discussion on the event from April of 2012. A very fun show. We we really dove into everything going on in the wrestling world that particular week. Uh, that included the two of us going to Miami to cover that show. Yes, that's right. Includes, of course, CM Punk versus Chris Jericho. Two names we'll be discussing later on in the show. But also Triple H versus The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell. One of the uh, well, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches, I'll just say. And of course, once in a lifetime, everybody, John Cena versus The Rock. Yes, no light tubes though in that match. Might have brought it to the next level. Hmm. Well, maybe the third one. Well, all of that can be found at postwrestling.com, and we'll go into a couple of news items. Um, I, I don't know how much of um, you know it's it's worth going into this, but I'd just be curious way your overall thoughts, not even related to wrestling, though it applies to everything. And that is like, we're here in Ontario where it seems that like things are progressing at a pretty, pretty good rate. It seems that case numbers are down significantly. You look at like the stats in the U S and I know that there, there are places where there has been stabilization, but just the increase of the Delta variant, like, is this something you're, you're following a lot? And I mean, I don't want to be like the sky is falling, but it is concerning when you're hearing just, you know, the, you know, the, the CDC and what their recommendations are and just the amount of, you know, new cases that are starting to emerge in different areas of the country and, and how bad this potentially could be. I don't think anyone wants to have this discussion, but it's, I mean, it's, it's gaining a lot of, you know, attention. It's something you almost don't want to think about because so many of us, you know, everywhere in the, around the world, I mean, many people are still deep inside. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about the Japanese Olympics that are happening right now with, you know, Tokyo still knee deep in all of this stuff. But, you know, at least in our part of the world, in North America, it really feels like it's been a period of jubilation of people trying to get out of this. So to, you know, consider that it can come back. Um, is almost something we don't want to think about. But nonetheless, um, it's it's a real threat. It's a real threat to a lot of these events that are opening up uh, to full capacity. Um, It's a threat to a lot of these businesses that are just opening up again. So it is something I'm following. I do feel, though, that with our part of the world, at least, vaccination rates are really good. And that has, at least in my research, proven to be a major factor in um, the spread or at least, you know, having um, hospitalization uh, um, uh, spread, I suppose, um, with this variant. So, you know what, maybe at at some point coming up, it'll be a good reason to chat to Dr. Alex Patel again about it all. Yeah, I I think it's just, you know, I was just doing a lot of reading just about today and just just where a lot of the the different numbers are. And I mean, uh, you know, the, the Surgeon General in the U.S. is talking about the fact is like, yes, there are increased uh, mask mandates. We just saw one today initiated in Nevada, which covers uh, 12 of the 17 counties, one of which is where Allegiant Stadium is in Vegas. So that could be a situation where fans have to be masked. I don't know what the status of the event is regarding mask wearing, but that county is is adding indoor masks uh, as a mandate as well. And the fact that, you know, masks are, they, they only help so much. It's like the vaccinations are the most essential thing now that if like that is, they are just trying loud and clear to try and get that message across. And it's just 
will 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 enough people that are hesitant or are they going to relax that whether it be out of just simply the fear of going back to what the last year was like it's um i just feel what we're at a very important crossroads at, at the moment where we got through the and i'm i'm talking generally in we but we got through a major hurdle but it's not the only hurdle and now we have to go through the next stage which is getting that percentage up so I don't want to preach to everybody here, but, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's very important. I don't think anyone wants to go back and that's, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's, you know, and I think we should all feel happy to be able to kind of celebrate like new openings and, you know, restrictions kind of like lessening, but at the same time, not to completely take our foot off the, the pedal of, 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 I guess, caution, and, you know, proceeding at least a bit more carefully. Um, and that includes, you know, maintaining, maintaining a lot of these practices that we've developed over the past year. And um, hopefully, you know, for the people who might not have been following those practices, um, you know, get your shots and please be careful for the rest of us. And you can send all your, your feedback to me. Believe me, I know how much people love when uh, we talk about all of this stuff. Um, and he'll ignore it. That's fine. I, I I am fine to lose a few listeners when this is very important stuff to talk about. Um, Tony Khan was doing uh, an interview with the New York Post today. And uh, the, the reporter, uh, Joseph Staszewski, asked him, point blank, are CM Punk and Brian Danielson signed? So, number one, good on him to just directly ask the question. And he also couched it about... Uh, have they signed or have you been in talks with them? So he didn't give him any wiggle room. And Tony Khan just responded, I have no comment on those, uh, but those are good questions, but I can't comment on those. So he followed up and said, <laughs> this is a very good follow-up. He's like, what about the hypothetical of these two signing and what it would mean for this company and you know what it would mean on a grander stage? I can't comment on those two guys, but I think there are certainly a lot of exciting rumors right now. Now, way I have been on the asking side of many of these where it is clear you are talking to a wall that is not going to divulge. But, dude, I love this stuff. I love looking at, like, the strategy of this, of a guy, a very smart guy in Tony Khan who knows when he's going out there, this is the biggest story, stories concerning your company that he did not outright deny. He did not even half deny this. And that could have easily been, um, you know, an opening for him to even even to state that that wiggle room of if deals were in principle with both parties, but Penn has not met paper yet, could have just said no one is signed. The key to this is that if one is signed and one is not, it's like he almost can't even go that direction because these are two people in place. And Tony Khan is of like, I do get the sense he does not want to lie. I don't think he is someone that for the temporary benefit of telling a lie for the greater surprise that a lie comes back that he has to uh that he outright lied that people might not take his public statement seriously in the future. So it is just interesting to look at the strategy and coming out of this by not denying this, I think you have just grown fans expectations. Now this also came out hours before tonight's dynamite where they are outright teasing it for you with the best in the world comment. So uh, I, I think like the breadcrumbs are being laid there for the audience to have that anticipation factor and ex ex 
clearly now expecting both. Yeah, everything you said. Yeah, it's um, to me a case of a fine balance between, you know, using some of this hype and discussion to your benefit and still trying to maintain a surprise for the audience that is going to be there. And I think Tony Khan absolutely loves the discussion that's taken place by not completely shutting down these rumors. I mean, he is, to me, pretty much confirming that these things are happening. I mean, not explicitly, but. Um, by not saying no, he is getting people's anticipation up there. And again, we're not even talking about today's show and what they did there, but just based on this interview alone, he's getting people's anticipation up. Um, and I don't believe he will be somebody who would disappoint audiences um, by by doing something like that. So I think he is doing a good job of maintaining the hype while not completely outright saying it so that the audience reaction and anticipation for that particular moment will still be there. Um, and it's important to the quality of the show. This is, this will be a really wonderful lesson, you know, for anybody looking to promote anything. I mean, man, these Marvel movies are going through the same thing with this Spider-Man, like all these reports about Tobey Maguire and uh, Andrew Garfield participating in the new Spider-Man are out there, but Kevin Feige is not outright saying it. Um, none of the cast, maybe say for a couple people uh, are leading on that they are a part of it. But we all pretty much know that this is going to happen. Nonetheless, we want to be surprised. We're an audience. We're a very complicated bunch. We want to know everything, but we also want to be surprised. And I give credit to, you know, all of these promoters or creative types who have to manage these expectations and try to keep all of us happy. And I think Tony Khan is doing that. I think it's like the perfect scenario that, you have that anticipation. I think like it's going to have an impact on viewership of people tuning in. Like this is a pretty hot product at the moment, and you have the, these two potential debuts dangling for fans that maybe now are expecting them. But when are they coming? Like you can look at you know the obvious ones like Chicago. There are now four potential Chicago dates that you can choose from, and that goes into the announcement that came tonight that the company will be running the United Center on Friday, August 20th. This will be called The First Dance. It'll be the second edition of Rampage, and it will be their fourth date in Chicago in the span of 16 days. That is insane. And the United Center is massive. Yes, and uh, I don't think you can tease a bigger thing than the debut of CM Punk. So I think it's incredibly important that they pretty much drive home the idea that, yes, you're going to see CM Punk here without, again, them actually saying it out loud. So I feel like that point was made tonight through not just the announcement, but them focusing on the audience, clearly chanting CM Punk after the announcement, and also, of course, the Darby Allen promo. So... um I think it's a wonderful opportunity to have a big gate because how are you going to get this moment again? And again, it'll but, be. But how do, how do you like? How do you not announce Punk? But also, like, By you're not that? talking about selling out a six thousand seat arena. Like, you're talking about a gigantic arena that you want. To, like, granted, we don't know what they're going to scale it for, but nonetheless, it's still you want to sell a lot of tickets. And I mean, it's that is going to be the dance. Is how they promote this and and whether like it if you have something big planned for punk that you want to be able to sell for all out 
Um, the 20th is a great time to debut it. Like that seat, that would appear, that could be the only reason you're booking Chicago right before you're about to do three nights, three shows in five nights at the, at the, the now arena. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be really interesting, but you know, this, I think we'll have to see how ticket sales go, John, if ticket sales lag by that, by the, by the, the day of the show, then they might just outright say, uh, (laughs) His someone's gonna make a debut. His name rhymes with T M Junk. You know, like they'll have to like really hit us over the head with it. But I have a feeling knowing this audience and knowing the amount of speculation and how much they grab their tickets, I think the show will do just fine when it goes on sale. I mean, if you can get if if there is enough buzz for this United Center show that people really buy into it and and you execute the biggest thing you can, which is which is punk on that show. Uh, that will lift um, the other two Chicago TVs as well. Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you want to see CM Punk in, in Chicago? Like, get a ticket to any of these shows. And we're also not not even thinking about what other matches they're going to add to these shows as well. Because, I mean, 23,000 people or however many people the United Center holds is definitely definitely a different level of, of attendance for AEW. But um many of these shows are actually doing really well on their own but man several nights in chicago like that that's going to definitely be a test of that particular market yeah it's a real it's an increased travel yeah there's i mean you're talking about a very savvy audience too that i think would put two and two together of why would they book the united center if not for something gigantic yeah (laughs) it would be the worst troll job in the world like it would be the most disappointing thing in wrestling ever if he does not show up. Um, we've also got, um, speaking of large venues that they are running in succession, New Japan has announced the first two matches for night one at the MetLife Dome. Curiously, they are going back to Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, this came after an angle at Q and Hall on Tuesday. Uh, so that has been added for the first night, as along with Chase Owens and Toru Yano for the King of Pro Wrestling title. So... At this point, I mean, you can just let the rest of the card play itself out. You've got your your building blocks for night one at a dome. Um, I was yeah. surprised that that this is Okada's spot for night one, and uh, I hope they have a lot more up their sleeve for this first night because uh, the second one isn't blowing people away either with Shingo and Evil in the top spot. No, it's not. No. Um, you know, obviously the name that's missing from both of these shows is Kota Ibushi, who we would presume would have a pretty prime role, if not, you know, a title match against Shingo that he was supposed to have this past weekend. But um, to me, when we say that these are dome shows, they are really only that in 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 space, you know, and ultimately they're being presented to how many people the, the Tokyo Dome was presented to 5000 people. And this card that they're building up to, I don't, we don't even know how many people are, are allowed. Do we? Um, it's, a, it's a good question because this is not in Tokyo. So I don't know what the restriction is, but obviously it would, it's, it's probably going to be like significantly below what, what, what capacity is. Right. And, and so therefore it feels like it's a card, at least at the moment, made for maybe a 5,000 you know, capacity venue. And that's unfortunate for all the people who aren't even going live and watching at home. Because certainly, while I enjoyed the match, it doesn't necessarily spark enough interest. Especially when we're talking about the excitement that is going on and all the other options we have available to us for pro wrestling. So, I I hope the rest of the card fills up. But again, it's a handicap promotion right now. 
what if Owens and Yano, it's a most amount of falls in 35 minutes? With or without handcuffs? Um, blindfolds and handcuffs. Can I get a ticket? Might fly to Japan for that. Yeah, this is a... Uh... This is reeling everyone in. That's uh, that's the same weekend as All Out as well. So that's going to be another insane weekend. I, I don't know how much buzz, to be honest, these New Japan cards are going to have that weekend. I think they're going to really get lost feel, in the shuffle. How, how much buzz do you feel like this past weekend had? I think the Tokyo Dome added a bit more to it. Um, and coming out of it, it was like the main event had, I think, a lot of interest after the fact because it was such a great match. But yeah, like a fraction of what a Tokyo Dome card would usually hold for people. I mean, coming out of this weekend, at least, you know, in our circles in, to me, like, you know, Reddit felt like most of the talk was about the GCW show and not so much about the Tokyo Dome show. Um, if that says anything, but I, I don't think it's that big. Um, but we'll see what sort of roster they can, you know, scrap together by then. A few numbers here, raw, did a million eight hundred fourteen thousand point four nine in the demo going against the Olympics, so down six and fourteen percent respectively. Which uh, that's that's not too bad of a, a hit when you're going against the Olympics. NXT, on the other hand, uh, they had the disadvantage of not just being a taped episode, not just going against the Olympics, but also being on Sci-Fi, and it resulted in five hundred twenty thousand viewers, a point one two in the demo, which works out to one hundred fifty thousand. So they fell 27% in viewers, 41% in the 18 to 49 from last week, which was going against the NBA Finals. Um, uh, These numbers from Brandon Thurston. Uh, For the NXT number, I'm not putting a ton of stock into it. Yes, it's a a big loss, but it's... I I don't attribute too much to the tape nature of it. I think the move to sci-fi was... The, the culprit for this number, uh, if they collapse when they go back on August 10th, then it's something to be maybe a bit concerned about. I do believe that like NXT to me, it has lost a lot of momentum and I'm not putting this all on the carrying cross thing, but that is the big match on the show. And it just feels like they have cast like that to me has hurt the show, but just watching the two hours, like it just feels like a show. I don't know if it's the atmosphere as well that we're now seeing so many bigger crowds at all other companies that the Capitol Wrestling Center is not able to uh, reflect. It just feels like it's a show that it's it's hit and miss to me. What's what's working on the show? Right. Yeah. I, maybe it's a combination of, of all those factors. Um, I think they're doing a pretty good job with Cross and Joe, actually. Like, if you don't watch Raw, you probably are still into this thing. But if you're a Raw viewer, yeah, it'll definitely take the edge off. Um, it's also the fact that, I mean, you know, for such a long time, we have attributed NXT's competition as AEW. And yeah, they moved off of Tuesdays. So they've already kind of like, you know, like admitted defeat. But now you mentally, some of us still compare what we see on Tuesdays to what we see on Wednesdays and the the quality of show with the live atmosphere, with the announcements that they're being made and the matches that they're delivering. I mean, AEW is now pulling way ahead and that's unfortunately making NXT, even though in comparison to maybe Monday night's show, um, NXT is still a high, good quality professional wrestling show. The golf just seems that much bigger and maybe the buzz, you know, will, is, is lessening as a result. Well, well, the golf was significant on this show. We got multiple segments of it. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, there was a lot of golf on my, on Tuesday. 
Uh, we won't go through the whole show, but the main things was the buildup for Joe and Cross, which is official, and the breakup of Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai with Dakota jumping Raquel, which was always going to be an angle you pull the trigger on, and it looks like they're doing it now for a takeover. How do you think uh, that angle came across, and was there anything else that jumped out at you? Like the angle, you know, a lot. Yeah, I, I, I it's hard for me to think what would have been different about it. I mean, it is something we've all really expected for a long time and I don't really have an issue with them executing it. It's a, uh, it, you know, it, it really kind of calls back to when Dakota turned on Tegan with that same running boot. Um, and I think I look forward to the match. Do you think like, to me, it feels pretty odd. Like if there's anybody to, to be the next champion, I really feel like it would be D- Dakota Kai. Do you think it signals anything well, do you agree with that? And do you think it signals anything further for Raquel? Um, I would not want to see Raquel leave NXT right now. Just where the women's divisions are, that they're still establishing a lot of different people. I just, I really fear she would get lost in the mix quickly and could be a very vital part. I don't think she has peaked yet in NXT. And I think a prolonged feud with Dakota Kai, even if she lost the title could be beneficial to her. I mean, they have not even got to the babyface run for Raquel that I think ultimately they want to get her into that kind of, um, you know, role as, you know, one of the key babyfaces across the entire brand. So I think there's a lot left to Raquel, but that's that does not disqualify her from just, like, we have clearly seen they will pluck someone the second they wake up all of a sudden and say, hey, we need someone to fill this role. So the, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any guarantees of, of who is here uh, long term or not. But TakeOver is shaping up to, with, with those two matches, you would assume. And it looks like a, the latest Cole O'Reilly match because that's the angle to close the show. Seems like it. You know, um, I mean, it'll be a great match, but what I think a lot of us are really looking forward to is seeing Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. That's right. That's on there, too. Yeah, that's going to be a hot match. How about uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter? We even finish each other's sentences. Uh, It's fine. It's something. You know, it's cute. All right. It's okay. What what do you think of of, uh, Frankie Monet taking a pinfall defeat? Um... I, did, I, I was a little surprised by the outcome that they did put over Catanzaro and Caden Carter. So, Due uh, to I guess, Robert Stone's um, interference. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't put a whole lot of stock into it, but it was a bit surprising that it would be Monet to to take the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. Um, and some washing balls that. jokes on the golf course. I mean, I, I watched this whole episode, and at the end of it, I was like, I, I don't know a whole lot to uh, – to talk about uh ridge holland came back which the, the the joe thing is the biggest news and we've already known that you know because of the taped nature of the show yes yeah all right all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com check all of that uh fine stuff out uh and we go into fight for the fallen at the bojangles coliseum in charlotte north carolina wrestle ticks noting over 6900 tickets out so this was a big nice. success for aew in uh I guess what Braden would call Char Lit tonight. Ooh, you're right. I don't know if he's allowed to say that anymore. The man just turned 30. He did turn 30. Are you aware, as we learned on this show, that Braden Harrington and Hangman Page were born on the exact same day? Oh, they're the same age? Wow. They're the same age. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
<laughs> what is that supposed to mean? What's that? I don't know. I don't really have it. any like one liner <laughs> to follow that one up with. Uh, something interesting is that uh, before the show, I guess this was for Dark, uh, they had David Crockett on commentary. So that's kind of an interesting thing to do. And I, I kind of like that really? idea when they go to different towns now. If someone's there, throw them on commentary for Dark and it's a reason to check out Dark. Like that's got some high nostalgia value. David Crockett calling a few matches. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, you know, honestly, it's an it's of an era that I I never followed, so I don't really appreciate it. But I'm sure the people who did. Do you think they're watching YouTube though? Do you think they're watching Dark? I think that there's like that. You know that that whole I'd love to like, know the Jim dem- Crockett promotions era. Breakdown. I I think I think some people just out of sheer curiosity here, David Crockett in 2021 might check that out. It's not going to be. Uh, uh, a gigantic appeal to the show, but I, I could see some curiosity just to hear David Crockett's voice today. I'm actually really curious about the demo breakdowns for like something like a dark versus, you know, what's on broadcast TV. I would it imagine would be it interesting would skew a lot like, younger. Yeah. I mean, you you don't hear a lot of a breakdown of, of like, well, we don't stuff. have that information only they would. But yeah. YouTube has it pretty deep. Like we know mm-hmm. exactly who's watching this video right now. Yeah, I have not listened to it, but uh, Chris Harrington did another one of those lengthy chats with Brandon Thurston. After When the numbers go up for AEW, Chris Harrington comes out for the big breakdown. So it's like a two-hour discussion, and I listened to the one he did in December, and it was fascinating just to hear like a very... Um, you know, just just very open about like kind of what works, what doesn't work, a bit of insight into someone whose job is essentially combing through every every last number that they have as data and learning what the stories and patterns tell him. So I'm sure it was a really fascinating discussion. Do you think that would actually like, if that was a panel at Starcast, like, yes, I will answer you a hundred percent. That would be <laughs> probably have a lot of interest to it. If Chris Harrington did a panel at Starcast, I think yeah. that would totally be a hit. Oh, I meant like him and Brandon doing like a, you definitely know, that would be probably charts? the person you would want to host it though, with, with those yeah. two. I like that. Um, like, look at this WrestleTix um, Twitter account. Don't even look at their Twitter. Um, like, they're racking up numbers on Patreon. So, like, that tells like, this is an audience that is very business savvy and loves, mm. craves this information. Totally. So. Yeah. That would, it would be the most, um, it would be the most eager I would ever be to go to, like, a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they would probably put like our high school teachers to shame. Like we were just the in the infancy of PowerPoints where they were oh. really bad that we had yeah. to sit through. Yeah. Are you talking about a particular radio show host who did the Saturday morning classes? <laughs> those, I really liked terrible. him. But yeah, the oh. PowerPoints were rough. It's he did like, nothing but read. Like, yeah. and then went to the chopper to like do the audio broad, theory, the right? Weather. Yeah, I thought. Did you have that Friday morning class? It was the I had it Friday morning. You had it Saturday. Yeah, I had it Friday morning at eight a.m. And it was like I would go out Friday nights, and dude, those Fridays were killer for me because I was still living at home in first year. So, dude, it meant getting up at about six a.m. and getting on the bus by six forty-five, seven a.m. I didn't even drink coffee at that time. I don't know how I functioned on those Fridays, but it was brutal. Cause I would, I would leave my house at seven in the morning and there were Fridays. I came home at like three in the morning. Wow. That's nuts. Thank God I didn't have a class on Saturday. Cause I would not have made it back on Saturdays. That's brutal have, that you had a Saturday class. Yeah. Well, I might've missed a few of those. Yeah. 
So we start off the show with quite um, quite an intriguing video here with Hangman Page and the Dark Order around the question, what is it that makes a cowboy? You don't need a hat to be a cowboy. And we get all the Dark Order members inside of a stable, which I guess has a dual meaning. A cowboy dusts himself off and gets back up and stands with their partners and keeps riding. Now, as a cowboy himself, would you acknowledge that this is the traits of a cowboy? Yeah, I thought they, you know, uh, uh, summarized the ethos of our kind pretty well here. I felt it was representative. And then the Dark Order members were each highlighted with a spotlight, and the big reaction was for Hangman Page, who walks out to his music, and dude, this is this is the first entrance of the the dynamite portion of the show, and they are electric. For Page and the Dark Order, they're all dressed up. They've got like their purple bandanas. They do the Dark Order pose in unison, and I thought, man, that that's a pretty kick-ass re- entrance. And then we hear your starting lineup for your world champions, and we've got the Space Jam entrance for the Elite, in building up to Kenny Omega, the only man in this match. From North Carolina, all these months of this North Carolina bit paid off tonight. 6,900 tickets. It was incredible. And the song they came out to, John. Dude, they came out to Two Unlimited. I could not believe this. Yeah, uh, they were calling themselves the Elite Squad. Uh, a play off of the Toon Squad, of course, from the Space Jam movie. I just thought, oh, okay, cute. The movie's out. They got paid for this, John. This Dude, was cross-promotion Literally, you're Warner. watching this, and they're like, oh, they're they're just doing a spoof off of Space Jam. No, this was clearly, like, a commercial, and they this was a, definitely a money-making entrance for AEW, and they made it great. Oh, my God. I thought it was all... First of all, like, the idea of special entrances for this match, that in itself did so much to elevate Every single person in this match, of course, and you know, primarily the main event in uh, in, in Page and pa- Page and Omega, but the entrances themselves were tremendously entertaining. And as a bit of like cross promotion product placement, it was some of the most mm, wonderful. Offensive, I would say I, this did not feel like it. I wouldn't have thought it was an ad until they specifically plugged the film. Like it just yeah. felt like. I could have totally envisioned these guys coming up with this as just a bit to do the entrance. It felt natural and felt congruent to their characters. Yes, it was goofy, but it was totally embracing the silliness of the the whole thing, and they were having fun and being creative with it. They, it, it was the type of product placement that that looked at that you know job as an opportunity and not an obligation. And we compare it to the Army of the Dead zombie match, okay? Where the that that felt totally natural. <laughs> that went unfortunately a little too far with the with the creativity. In fairness of what we've up. seen over the last year, that also could have been authentic WWE that they could have just come up with on their own without any dollars contributing to that segment, which also was probably very successful for the company. It is very true. But what I liked about this was that they were able to integrate this level of goofy product placement while keeping it separate from the core product that this audience came here for. And that is the in-ring product. You can sell me whatever you want beforehand, but like, keep it out of the match. 
So it is Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. I love that Carl Anderson's number was 2012, the year he went to the finals in the G1. That's what I thought too. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, what about uh, Gallows' number? Yeah, he's uh, it's 1998 and haha, 69. That's good one. That's 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 hilarious. Well, I mean, he's just setting up for the Gallows poll, which I, I've been informed, John, is an actual weapon. Yeah, if, if anyone whatever. doesn't think that Gallows is trying for the double entendre there, you're crazy. Oh, obviously he is. He's doing both. It's it's both. But yes, haha. So the match begins. This is John Silver's first match back since March 24th. Crowd is deafening. Chance of cowboy shit. Johnny hungry. And it's just red hot at the beginning. Silver and Reynolds do a German suplex jackknife cover combo as Gallows makes the save. Reynolds is the first elimination, and then Uno pins Anderson, uh, so we're down to four on four within the first five minutes. Uh, but then after that, they it wasn't like rapid succession of eliminations. They went through two commercial breaks, a rarity for AEW Dynamite matches. Um, John Silver hit an Osai DDT, and then Grayson did this sky twister press on the top to the floor Unfortunately, it was Hangman that took the worst of this. It looked like he just took a boot to the face uh, from Grayson here. It looked spectacular. I thought Grayson took it pretty bad, too. He landed pretty much on the floor. It was, uh, it was not exactly smooth, but, I mean, it, it was It looked – it was a beautiful looking. dive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gallows and Grayson then brawl into the crowd. Grayson dives off the balcony. This was a pretty big match for Grayson to stand out, and the two are counted out. So it's three on three. Uh, Evil Uno is in there with Omega, landing on the knees with the Swanton, eats a V-Trigger and One-Winged Angel, so Uno is out, and they get the advantage on John Silver, they go to another picture-in-picture, this one did not air in Canada, but that would hardly be the most offensive picture-in-picture that Canadians were subjected to on this night. Come back, Silver spins Nick off his shoulders for a near fall, and man was John Silver over in this to this crowd like it was Mm -hmm. like think about it john silver has not got to wrestle in front of a traditional crowd since he got over so this had to have been extremely reassuring to him that man this audience they love this guy yeah i mean even with the partial crowds that that were in uh daily's place they're already going pretty crazy for him but to hear the full capacity crowd on the opening match of a dynamite in a big match on, on, on the dynamite go this crazy for him he he got one of the biggest reactions on this entire show uh, Page was hit with an apron bomb by the Bucks, and then it's a V-trigger, super kick to Silver. Matt lifts up Silver on the floor in the tombstone position underneath the basketball net. I'm going to do my best to describe this. <laughs> so Omega holds up the ball above the top rope. Nick goes to execute an indie taker with the ball misses the basket. It bounces off the rim, which I thought was the genius of it. I thought... It was obviously not intended to miss, but was way better because it did. So he misses it, but comes down with the indie taker. This was the most ridiculous looking spot, but it was great. You're actually right that it probably came across better with them as heels, with them with him missing it. But there's such a part of me that really wishes he hit it. Because that gif would live on forever of... <laughs> Of this dude doing a springboard indie taker slam dunking a guy 
by slam dunking a ball <laughs> into a basketball net as he comes down on the tombstone pile driver. Like it would have been the greatest thing. And I, the I'm, odds I'm, are he will never in his career get an opportunity to replicate this spot unless it's completely out of left field and yeah. forced. Like this is the most natural way to ever pull off such a spot. Exactly. The most we could hope for is maybe like he'll try it again off air on BTE, you know, but like I bet he probably hit this like three times in practice. And unfortunately, on the big stage, no, not quite MJ here. Silver was pinned after a BTE trigger, so it is now Omega and the Bucks against Page. And then, man, do they turn it up here on Hangman. He grew up three hours away. His birthday was yesterday. I mean, my God, you could not babyface this guy any more than in this setup. Omega spits in his face. Goddamn, do we have... If there is anything from this pandemic, let's eliminate spits in the face because i've already seen two of them this month between roh and now this well what about pizza cutters and uh gushing blood well pizza cutters are clearly in vogue now as well so i mean there are, are some lessons that i think could be learned from this uh from this whole fluids don't seem to be fluids. going away anytime soon no i think pizza cutters are in for a, a big surge in this industry First, they double super kick Page. Then they triple super kick with Omega taking part. He keeps kicking out. 450 kicks out again. Page then fights back, clears the ring. Moonsault to the three on the floor. He goes for the buckshot, but Page is uh, stopped. And he then hits a double buckshot lariat to Nick and Matt, and he pins Matt. So it's down to two on one. Rick Knox grabs the belt away from Kenny to stop a belt shot. And Paige is able to hit the dead eye. Nick then holds on to Paige's leg. The buckshot gets ducked. Another belt shot by Omega for a near fall. And finally, Omega, two V-triggers and a one-winged angel pinning Hangman Page after 25 minutes and 33 seconds, denying him the title shot. This match was so great. It was so great. Think about your favorite Survivor Series match. And then think about that match. With Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page, and Space the Smash Jam. Brothers. In Space Jam entrances, um, with a re- modern wrestling style, like with a PWG style. The thing that makes Survivor Series matches, I think, so great in the past, that I feel like any iteration from the past decade has kind of gotten away from, is that they're tremendous devices to further your singles programs. You know, think about like an Owen and Brett, the type of story that you're able to tell with some of the dynamics there. This, to me, was a great Survivor Series match with great storytelling, great shine for a number number of the side characters that aren't even the focus here. Very effective heat building for this program. I thought it was a brilliant move to have a three-on-one advantage for Kenny and the Bucks against Paige. What better way of baby-facing a guy who's supposed to be a cowboy than to have him go up against like... His former three best friends who are some of the best wrestlers in this entire company. It was a great elevation of Paige as a lead character in the audience's eyes. And even though they pinned him, it I mean, the point here was to show the audience that Hangman Page is more than capable of defeating Kenny Omega when it's a fair fight. Not when it's a two-on-one, not when it's a three-on-one. And, you know, ultimately, like, this is what every fuck finish, cheating, DQ type of bullshit finish is supposed to do. But when you put them in an environment where that handicap is legal, it makes the overall match far more palatable of an experience. And listen to this audience here. From the get-go, they're already with Paige. 
I thought the match just really elevated him to a different level. And if you weren't already into Hangman Page in this story, if you watch this, I don't know how you wouldn't be excited for this match. This was Omar on the sixth story of the apartment, outnumbered and just going for it and free falling to the floor. That's that's cowboy shit right there. So Hangman Page just has to keep his eye out for Kennard. So you finished the wire. <laughs> I hear. I did, yes. Well, so we get you a gotta review watch soon. Well, What's we get that? a podcast soon. We'll see. You. We'll see. I, I Man, you hear I, that everybody? You know, whenever whenever wants, I mention like requests. I've watched something, I get all these mentions like start a podcast on this. Start a podcast. I'm like, guys, I'm not starting a podcast for every show I watch and every movie I watch. Like I can't. No, not everyone, but I feel like there's a lot of interest. Well, anyway, you you guys do the work. You let them know. This was awesome. I was I really thought this worked so well in the opening role as well. Not to say the if it was in the main event, it wouldn't have worked, but I like the fact that they started the show so hot with with this match and man, this program feels super hot and like you're dangling it. Like you know you're going to get to this match, but now how are they going to get there? And frankly, they they didn't need to establish it tonight. You've got over a month still until mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of big shows to book your way towards this match. And I think people are really intrigued of how, how page comes back from this, this failure now and overcomes it to get the match with Omega and potentially pull off the win. I believe there's definitely more story to tell, you know, like the, the story, like pages character is sort of like a shaky inner confidence. I'd love to see how this loss affects him and how he's able to overcome and grow from it. It also seems like they're teasing another match, you know, another title defense for Kenny in the meantime. And like you said, they have a lot of matches to promote. We're including Rampage in there as well. So maybe multiple appearances and multiple chances for Kenny to have those singles matches, for Page to have singles matches to build before he gets built back up for uh, All Out. Alex Marvez interviewed Pac. Penta and Phoenix were not there because someone canceled their car rental. Andrade and Chavo Guerrero Jr. walked in and explained they booked a limo for Penta and Phoenix. Chavo explained to Pac what a limo is and that they will arrive in style, uh, which I don't know why. Why did they need to be at Tonight Show? Kind of a dark, waste of maybe? a limo, don't you think? Are they on dark? Well, not on, not on, not on this show. Are they going to uh, arrive in a limo next, uh, next Tuesday night? Maybe they're just here for catering. Okay. Um, yeah, this this thing isn't blowing me away. This involvement. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's just kind of the first week, I suppose. With um, so I don't so more more to be seen. This was just kind of there for me this week. Taz uh, bought Bad News Barrett's riser online and was standing upon it above the whole crowd. And introduced Ricky Starks, who came out with Hook to a brass band. And Hobbs, he says... Is, he's from New Orleans. From, he's from New Orleans, so that was uh, the his, his hometown flavor that he added to the celebration. He said the powerhouse Hobbs is out recruiting, and then ran down Brian Cage, calling him garbage, accused the man of vanity searching himself, and Cage never checked on me when I broke my neck. Called him an inbred... And Cage says, you've been trying to be a star for 17 years. You didn't even gain an ounce of charisma, even standing next to me. So Cage comes out 
and he destroyed the brass band, including taking the bass drum and drilling it over the dude's head and then grabs the trombone and breaks it over his knee. I guess one-upping Omos with the scooter on Monday and then destroyed the flowers as well as Hook and Starks took off. And then JR said, there's no place for trombones in pro wrestling. Wow. Which, yeah. Which, I mean, might have been, you know, a subtle tease, but I don't even get the sense JR is aware of the connection. Like, I just <laughs> felt like he just said that. But, you know, Xavier Woods did reply with a, with a funny uh, gif. So, he's everybody, it's nothing serious. I'm sure they're all friends. Well, Hook was giving quite the look to Brian Cage. So... Hook I cannot versus... wait till the, they just go all in on Hook. Uh, I look. This has been to the greatest thing. silent build ever for a debut. Is Hook? Definitely, yeah. He should come out with a hook. What if he had a? <laughs> He's got a hook. Hand. It's his debut. That will grab everybody. I promise. Okay. So then, in the most casual manner, Excalibur just explains. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi has a message for us, and we go to Tanahashi, the master of the century. He has never won the IWGP US title. I am challenging tonight's winner, and I will take it in a snap. This was we. This was crazy. Like I don't. This I, is like they just. This is like an embarrassment <laughs> of riches. Of like, dude. Yeah. Here's Tanahashi fans. <laughs> yeah, it's like. All of a sudden, like since these crowds have come back, come back, like this show has just been like every every segment has has been like something major that probably would have headlined a previous show. But here's like Tanahashi appearing on on an AEW show, and it's not even the biggest thing on this on this show. And we should maybe temper our expectations. Okay, they made it clear it's Tanahashi is not coming to Dynamite. They made it mm-hmm. clear multiple times that the champion is going to New Japan to. Yes defend the title. So I mean, and they, and they clarified on, uh, on the new Japan Twitter that it'll be at resurgence. Okay. They did state that. So that's, that's important to note because that will mean Tanahashi. It's fine getting here, but that means like, he's going to likely have to go through a quarantine period in Japan. And Mm. like, that's not too far. I mean, that's August 14th. So I would think if he's coming all the way here, you'd want him to do the tapings as well on right after resurgence. So you get him on strong for a bunch of weeks and then I guess get him back. So he's ready to do the dome shows. Well, I mean, we should talk about the Moxley thing right now from what we saw everybody, because in Canada, unfortunately that promo was interrupted, but we didn't watch enough of the Moxley promo to know that he was challenging Hiroshi Tanahashi. So John, where do you think they're going to do that match? Well, the promo was like, I I took it as like, that's a match they're going to go to. But Moxley was saying the opposite. He was saying, uh, your door is closed. I'm not going to face you, which. But eventually, of course, that match. Eventually, you have to get to that. I think that match is. I don't know if if you want to hold off on that till Japan like that. That seems too big to do at an empty taping in California. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Well, what about an AEW show? That's possible, too. I mean, that that would certainly be. Um, really big. I mean, yeah. they made it very clear on the show as as if you need this to be spelled out for you with all the back and forth. But I mean, Excalibur directly called it our partnership. And I mean, to me, if I was AEW, the big coup would be if Tanahashi's coming over here to be able to get him to stay to do all out. But yep. you have those MetLife Dome shows and that would be 
a conflict where I would assume New Japan wants Tanahashi on those shows, even though he has not been announced yet. We shall see. I mean, well, it's you not could like, say, had... like if they're partners, I mean, you make sacrifices at times for partners. He was now. not scheduled to be on this one, John, this past weekend. So they were they're willing to do a dome show without him. That's right. That's a great point. He was just going to do Nagoya and uh, maybe the Rambo. Oh, God. Maybe we could bring that. You think Resurgence will have a Rambo? I don't want a resurgence of the Rambo ever. I want to retire the Rambo forever. Um, I might actually retire it for my coverage. FTR against Santana and Ortiz. We had Tully Blanchard and Conan in the respective corners. Um, th- this was just unfortunate because this match, I can't say way like it really got going. Like I think like they were just like setting the table for things, but I never thought it got into the next gear. And then it was very clear things just sort of fell apart when Cash Wheeler got hurt. And you can see the spot here. Cash Wheeler, he hits these Tornado DDTs, and then they're setting up for kind of like the power and glory spot with like the superplex splash combo. Cash is on the further turnbuckle, and Santana goes up, knocks Cash down, and his arm just kind of snaps, and he immediately is calling attention to it. He goes over to the trainer, and Dax has to work the rest of this match. And it was... Like, it was a bit clumsy. Like, you saw they had to improvise, I would assume, off the superplex spot, and the ref is holding up after a two-count, and they just keep going here, and it just ends very abruptly with a brain buster and Dax pinning Ortiz. You cut to Cash, and dude, his arm looks like it's sliced open, and there is blood all over. I don't have an update on him. It did not look good, so I, I just think this thing, you know, with the injury, I'm sure that just threw a total curveball to this match unfortunately really is unfortunate because um you know let me just commend these four on the great job they did on the road to previewing this one this felt like it was and the unedited version of that press conference we got last week Mm -hmm. which was really cut down on tv but the extended version was you know santana is an incredible promo we've said that over and over like that guy is an emerging star he's great but ortiz was really good too you know, and he got to speak up a little bit on this. All four of them are, are really very good. So they did a great they did, did a great job and uh, building anticipation for this one. It actually felt like the main event for this. So uh, this was certainly disappointing with the end result. And um, you know, crowd energy was really certainly not as high, and it's understandable why. But um, I also get the sense that this is just chapter one anyway, not a, not even meant to be a culmination. So no doubt they'll do this again. Uh, under better circumstances and maybe even play up the injury. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be the immediate focus is like, what kind of injury is this to cash Wheeler? Like, hopefully this is not something serious. Like that did not look good. The, the brief shot we, we saw of cash on the floor. So hopefully it's nothing that's going to take him out of for any significant period of time. Uh, Britt Baker and rebel were in the back. And this was the first on air acknowledgement of Britt Baker's broken wrist and she had tweeted this out when she was at the uh, the bare knuckle, um, the BKFC show last week with uh, Paige Van Zant. She broke her wrist, yet could still tap out Nyla Rose, and noted that Rebel can't always keep me safe with so many people after her, and she needs someone who can always have her back. So it looks like we are getting some more muscle for Britt Baker, and says those holding their breath waiting for my failure are going to suffocate. Really interesting. Okay, so how far away from those Pittsburgh shows? Uh, those are August. Uh, that, that's Let's the week see. of Rampage, August 11th yeah. and 13th. So two weeks. August. 
So two weeks. So hopefully this injury is not significant enough that it'll prevent her from, you know, seeing in-ring action. I mean, she stated that she's not going to miss any time, but a broken wrist is a broken wrist. That's not going to be fixed Mm -hmm. in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So it's either Um, are they going to let her work with this or um, or not? But it she indicated like she's going to continue through this. And I mean, we'll clearly see they've got to set up what she's doing in Pittsburgh. I thought tonight was when you would want to kind of shoot that angle. And next week they're going to do the bunny against Layla Hirsch in an eliminator. And if that's to set up the Pittsburgh challenger, like it just seems like that's, it's kind of just a title defense by Britt Baker. That's you're kind of putting together cold. Well, unfortunately it's the roster is deep in talent, but not necessarily deep in star power. And that's AEW's fault. You know, like, I mean, you knew these Pittsburgh shows were coming up, one of which is your Rampage debut. Like, I would have wanted for some time to be building it, like, isolate your female and just rack up some wins. And, like, they don't have anybody ready. Like, if this is where you're going, the Bunny and Layla Hirsch, like, that, that kind of, you know, gives a lot of credence to that criticism. Yeah. But, you know, no matter what, though, this crowd will probably just want to be there to see Britt Baker perform against anyone. So they're probably guaranteed like a great reaction either way. I think it's we're looking at it as just a big showcase for Britt if she's you know healthy and able to wrestle anyway. Um, it'll look really good, but you know as far as like what are the star matches that you have to look forward to for her? It's Thunder Rosa, and then who else? Well, Thunder Rosa is certainly the one they are um, promoting the most, and we're outright calling for it tonight in her match. Uh, They promoted the first dance August 20th at the United Center. And we go to Sting and Darby Allen backstage. Darby will be in Chicago. And there is only one place to prove you're the best. That's in AEW. Even if you think you're the best in the world. Mm -hmm. So again, as we noted earlier, I mean, this production of the announcement, like from the moment they announced the United Center in Chicago, this card was already changing CM Punk, CM Punk. And they deliberately cut to these crowd shots where you are clearly, they're clearly focusing on close-ups of these people, mouthing the words CM Punk. And again, if that wasn't clear enough, this Darby Allen promo pretty much sealed it. So um, we continue to see how they will build up these teases without outright saying the name CM Punk. Yeah, and I guess you, you can also surprise people and it's Danielson. That would be quite the swerve. Yeah. Or Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. Whoever lays would, uh... claim to best in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've totally forgot about that whole thing until just now. You're so right. Yes. Shane. Lance Archer versus Hikuleo with Haku in his corner for the IWGP United States Championship. If there was a bigger fan of Hikuleo than Jim Ross, I don't know who it is. And I'd include Haku here. JR is just enamored with this man's size. He says he is going to own New Japan one day. Own it? Really? Hostile takeover from Bushi Road. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really ambitious. We're going to be going know. to uh, New- HikuleoWorld.com after for streaming. <laughs> what are his, like, I don't know, what's his portfolio like? You know, does he have management uh, skills? You know? All to be does, determined. Does he speak Japanese even? Uh, I don't know, probably not, but maybe he's immersed himself more than we know. Right. He uh, he came up to Guerrilla Tactics, which to me is the far better G.O.D. theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know he was using it, but uh, man, I love that song. 
So um, this is where Excalibur said the winner will travel to New Japan to defend the title. Haku, during the break, of course, used the Tongan death grip on Lance Archer, who sold this like he was getting attacked by a guy that was in his 30s as opposed to Haku. I mean, he just put Haku completely over here. We come back. Ross broke out a bowling shoe ugly reference here. Archer did the rope walk into a moonsault. Crowd just roared for him. Blackout gets stopped. He hits a big boot to Hikuleo on the buckle, which is pretty impressive given the height. And then superplex and wins with the blackout. So not, not an extremely lengthy match, but, you know, two giants kind of going at it and getting a lot of steam behind Lance Archer because he's going to be figured in prominently for some big matches. The first being Tanahashi, apparently on the 14th. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, uh, at Resurgence. And, you know, Hikuleo, it, there's still a real novelty in seeing a Bullet Club logo on a show that's not a New Japan show. Um, and I thought, to me, that's kind of what, what he provided here, the novelty of seeing, you know, a real New Japan guy in an AEW ring. The match itself, I thought was just kind of okay. You know, he to me, he still seems a bit green. The match didn't have the intensity of, obviously, you know, looking at last week's match, which was just really spectacular. But... Yeah, it was all right, and really just another building block for um for Archer in front of an AEW audience. It, this didn't need to be any longer that, than it was. I mean, it just had to be kind of you know your your two big men going at it. Um, to to it, the crowd certainly got into the finish here with Archer. Marvez is interviewing Cody Rhodes. If you weren't sure, they they we have our seats that are labeled. We had uh, EVP next to Coach where Joe where Jerry Lynn sits. And Cody Rhodes was all in white here and Malachi Black attacks, uh, leading to a brief Tony Khan cameo. And so we had the, uh, the white and black outfits uh, go at it here. They fight out into the arena. Noticeable boos for Cody as Black drills him with a shot and a bunch of guys come out to check on Cody. And then they're shooting from the ramp and Fuego Del Sol takes like the greatest black mass. This looked amazing and a great segment. Like Malachi Black, I think is going to be someone that they are going to have to really work to get a heel reaction for because this dude comes across as like, I, I like the look. I can see some people think it's a little too Abaddon, but I think it really is a cool look. And I mean, the offense, it's very hard not to get into this guy. Oh my God, he's... I mean, the man the man was a star the moment he walked out of that. I mean, the WWE, even when he wasn't shown on TV, like, he is one of those talents that this audience in particular, like, has been begging for the WWE to push for the longest time. So they just, like, they handed AEW, like, one of their hottest guys, you know, as far as I'm concerned, even though they just, they never used him. And if Keith Lee, like, was released the next day, like, he would be the same thing. But anyway, Aleister, uh, Malachi Black here, like, he... I, I wouldn't doubt this audience doing a, 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 a you know, having a, a, a different reaction from what perhaps they're intending. And you know what? If you're AEW, I think you go in with that level of expect expectation and you don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. As long as they're reacting for somebody, it's going to be good. As long as they're cheering for Malachi Black and anticipating whatever he's doing, it's it's going to be a good thing. It's, it's almost easy to forget that, like, we are we're really excited about this guy because we're talking about punk. We're talking about Danielson, but I mean, this dude, Tommy in, he's just getting started in this promotion. He hasn't even had his first match yet. 
and to me still feels incredibly fresh. So uh, I'm, I, I'm, I, I have confidence that he's finally going to be pushed to the level that the audience has always wanted him at. And unless they're doing a specific angle to that, it needs to be in a different spot. Like I imagine this is the main event next week. Like I think it should be It really establishes Malachi black in his first match in that, in that um, main event. Unless there's another death match. Um, which I mean, they're going on quite the streak of them. So that's always possible. Uh, an interesting note here was uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Chris Harrington's father passed away and he had noted that he packed a tie that his father wore and wanted to get the tie on TV. So Cody's tie tonight was from Chris Harrington's father. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. He made that is really that. interesting. Wow. Wow. Cool. Miro does a video. He says that the challenges have dried up, but he's going to fight next week. They have set up Lee Johnson as the next challenger, and he will not take Miro's divine right. There are only two things that motivate him. My life as a vengeful God and a double-jointed wife. This is the word of the Redeemer. Mm. So all these, like, I mean, all these Lana mentions, like, do you think it's a teaser? Do you think it's just Miro like working them in? Because he's been doing it even even before she was released. Um, yeah, I think that it's they've certainly left the door open for a time when Miro can introduce Moana under a different name. Right. Who's going to be on the Surreal Life? She is. Yeah, she's going to wow. be on the next season. Yeah. I didn't know the show was still around. It's it's going to be on VH1, and uh, Dennis Rodman's on it, and. Don't know the other names off the top of my head. Okay. She's on it. Yeah. Hmm. Private Party and Angelico with Matt Hardy taking on Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, who had Marco Stunt in their corner. Uh, they brought up that Christian is undefeated in AEW so far. So the Battle Royal doesn't count. Jungle Boy tosses Cassidy into the rail, and then Matt Hardy jumps Jungle Boy. Cage and Marco chase off Matt. Marco lost a shoe during the chase. And they have the heat on Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus gets the tag. The big spot was a triple German to Angelico and Private Party. Jungle Boy took out Cassidy and Angelico with a Topicon Hero and a Cage Pin Quen with a splash off the top. 439. They all hugged. And then the Blade, in a disguise, took out Christian Cage with brass knucks. And the Blade will take on Christian Cage next week. Mm-hmm. Just an okay match to me. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it beyond the the you know they they are kind of like pushing Christian as a guy who is on his way towards a championship um, match. He's currently ranked number three, and with Paige losing a shot now, you would presume he would move up even faster. So, to me, uh, it feels like we could possibly see Christian versus Kenny before all out. So, is this the closest that we'll get to? Um... Cage and Blade for our Mortal Kombat crossover. Did you have to Google to absolutely sure add to Google? Characters? Yes, <laughs> I wasn't a Mortal Kombat fan in the least. Uh, very good. No, they showed a feature on Nick Gage. Yeah, we go right from Cage to Gage, and then Julia Hart versus Thunder Rosa. Oh man! Every time Julia Hart comes on TV, I'm just like. Shit, man. What about what have I done with my What have life? you done? What were you doing at 19, Way? Oh, not wrestling on national TV. That's for sure. 
Well, she was taking on Thunder Rosa, so it was uh, a short match. Four minutes. Big champ for Thunder Rosa. They mention her new full-time, multi-year deal with AEW, and they start talking about a potential rematch with Britt Baker. They also plug that the 100th edition of AEW Dark is coming up. 100 episodes. Yeah, I wonder if they have something big planned. Who's going to guess commentate that one? Um, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Maybe mm. um, Greg Valentine. Why? Just somebody. Somebody. First okay. name that came to mind. <laughs> Greg Valentine and Jake Roberts for the whole show. You know, I would I might make make time for that. Sure, that would get <laughs> a lot of curiosity. I guarantee you might might outdraw David Crockett. Um, knee bar by Thunder Rosa. Julia gets the rope break and then a drop kick in the corner. Fire Thunder Driver, 403. Pretty straightforward match. I don't think anything jumped out at you uh, in these four minutes, but a win for Thunder Rosa and more important, just kind of putting her in the direction of Britt Baker. Yeah, it was pretty much just their way of announcing publicly on TV that Thunder Rosa has signed now as a full time star. We're going to hopefully feature her consistently and I would hope push her to the top. You know, um, this this was pretty much kind of like the only women's division content we had on the show outside of you know that Britt Baker promo and Kate from Montreal constantly points out the lack of women's wrestling on this show on Dynamite itself and it's still unfortunately um an apparent problem and you know what there's a lot of star power on the show I can understand it but when we look at when we complain perhaps about like you know Britt Baker's uh, what matches are there it's it's a problem that's going to come in and, and bite them because they've established that this roster is there. It's just really the stories and building that are lacking. Where is Riho? Where is um, Hikaru Shida? You know, uh, uh, what's her name? Parachute Pants. Um, Yuka oh Sakazaki. Yuka Sakazaki. You know, like, where is she? Like, we see her and then we don't see them anymore. They might be on Dark or Elevation, but like... Without seeing them on Dynamite, it's hard to really get excited, you know, uh, when it's time to to promote a big match with with Britt Baker. So hopefully that's something they can they can fix. So next week, after all these days, they're going home to Daly's place. It's homecoming next week. Yeah, finally. remember the last time they ran at Daly's place? Are, <laughs> yeah, it was like last month, dude. Are they really calling this homecoming? How yeah, many this is promoted shows? as homecoming. How many wrestling shows are going to be called homecoming this month? As many as top a million viewers. I mean, they're <laughs> going to ride this. I think they're going to name every show if they have to. Every show is homecoming. Well, I mean, yeah, we've I got, guess so. We've got homecoming. The week after that is Pittsburgh, which they may as well just call it Britsburg. And then no, after I'll, that... I'll, well, I was talking about Impact Homecoming and GCW. Oh, I thought you're talking specifically about the name Homecoming. You're right. Yeah, I didn't even think of those. Yeah, we, we, we're getting three Homecomings in the span of uh, less than two weeks. Yes. Yeah. So we've got Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black, Miro and Lee Johnson for the TNT title, The Bunny versus Layla Hirsch in an Eliminator bout for a title shot, and Christian Cage versus The Blade. Um, one more match to be announced, which nobody was predicting. Absolutely no one. John Moxley is doing a promo, drinking from a flask. He was watching water polo at the Olympics and asking how can they get into Japan, but he can't. As soon as he loses the title, then all of a sudden Tanahashi puts his face on TV. You've been running from me for months. You're dead to me. You don't get to wrestle me. And TSN said, 
Not going to wrestle Tanahashi? F it. Go to break. So we go to picture in picture as John Moxley is going on and on. I have no goddamn idea what he said. And we're still at commercial break. And then all of a sudden, Chris Jericho does his entrance. Canadians got to watch it, which what an awesome way for the Jericho entrance. Don't need audio for that one at all. Then, dude, they took Nick Gage's entrance from oh, Canada as well. How do you screw up at such a uh, an elite level as this? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know. Whoever was in charge of the commercials hit the button early, it seems. And, uh, you know, like, I'm glad that TSN has picture in picture. Because, like, I think at a different time, Canadians would have just not had any of this stuff. Like, I remember a time when, like, wrestling would get preempted every other week on, like, the new VR or something. Nobody would give it. Certainly, they would not look at wrestling as important enough to, like, even have a guy there to man the picture in picture every single week. Oh, yeah. Now Crow we get that. Season killed us. <laughs> yes. Now we have that. But I almost wish we didn't have picture in picture here because it was almost like a tease. It was torture. Like, you just talk. Here's John Moxley talking about Hiroshi Tanahashi and talking about New Japan. And I can only see him and I can't hear him. Here's Chris Jericho coming out in his paymaker thing to Judas. And I can see it, but I can't hear it. Here's Nick Gage making his AEW debut for a match. And I can see it, but I cannot hear it. So it it was it was a case where I'd almost rather they just there, there the probably thing. was no other three minute period of this entire show that would be as frustrating to be the picture in picture that you screwed up doing. The trade off was they didn't go to a picture in picture when they threw to it during the break, so we got the full match on TSN. So that yeah. was the opposite side. Um, MJF is out. And he's got popcorn as he's on commentary stating, I don't make matches, I make movies, and this is going to be a horror one. So Gage starts the match, and he's got a pizza cutter, and he slices Jericho's arm immediately. And we got a spine buster from Gage, walls of Jericho spot, they go to the floor. It's not long before Nick Gage brings out light tubes. So Jericho grabs a bat and attacks Gage with it until Gage uses a choke breaker, has another pizza cutter, and slices Jericho's forehead. So they throw to picture in picture. TSN stays with the match. I kid you not, on TNT, they go from the pizza cutter spot to a Domino's ad. Oh, that's amazing. I was wondering, yeah, because we didn't get picture in picture. But can you imagine, like, I'm imagining the people in the U.S. like got to see a dude slice another man in the head with a pizza cutter as like stringy cheese Domino's was in the other photo. You got a Domino's ad. I also saw there was a Jungle Cruise trailer, which I, I mean would have been great. Like anything you're contrasting to. Th- this was better than your double screens, I bet. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. How do you feel like a Domino's would have felt? Okay, that. we're going to have a lot of the same discussion at the end of this match. I'm curious your thoughts as well. So uh, let's just go through this. He uses the pizza cutter on Jericho's forehead again. And then a guy at ringside brings out a glass pane from underneath the ring that is placed on two chairs as Jericho and Gage fight on the turnbuckle. And it ends with Jericho executing a Frankensteiner, sending Gage through the pane of glass on TNT. Gage recovers, he drops Jericho onto the broken glass, and now the light tubes get used. He breaks one over Jericho's back. He breaks one over Jericho's head. Then a pile driver onto the glass for a two count. Then Gage grabs the broken light tube and starts jabbing Jericho's forehead. 
Jericho comes back with the green mist to the face, takes a bundle of light tubes, nails Gage, Judas effect, place goes nuts as Jericho pins him in 13 minutes and 23 seconds. Um, As I wrote tonight, I thought that opinions on this are going to be very divided because half the audience is going to say, hey, we got an authentic Nick Gage match. While the other half are going to be absolutely horrified because they got a Nick Gage authentic match. <laughs> and I think this is all... I, 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 I have not looked at any feedback to people watching this match. But I like you brought in Nick Gage and they did not sanitize it. They did not uh, compromise. Like if you were someone that bought the Game Changer show on Saturday and mm-hmm. came in with that level of expectation... I think you have to come away with like they delivered what they promised. But if if there is this mythical line to cross, if if this does not upset anyone, the network sponsors, and I would have to think the network was enough on board with this, then I don't know if there is much of a line because this is way beyond what anyone could have envisioned when Dynamite launched in 2019 of how far they could go with violence. This was the absolute furthest they've gone. I have a feeling like... Good ratings will give that's going to be amazing. Like they are not just trying to get off the ground. Like they are doing great numbers. And with Mm -hmm. that is going to come the leeway that, Hey, these guys know what they're doing, but like in another era, just people flipping through and seeing that stabbing motion to the forehead, um, that people would be outraged by it. And maybe that will be the case, but that was, I mean, that's, that's a trade-off you're going for by promoting this. In terms of violence, I mean, I yeah, this was like there, but I I, I feel like Dynamite had had already cro- crossed that threshold in prior instances, maybe even as early as like the uh, Britt Baker Thunder Rosa. We've seen match. blood, but I I do feel like there is a different level for people when it's like here is broken glass and like a stabbing motion to someone's head as their bl- the blood is coming through. Sure, um, okay. And like for me in particular, it's I didn't even know the whole Domino's thing happened with like the pizza cutter. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, if you are Domino's, would you want to have that direct association on picture at the same time? Hey, and is how something- about if you're Disney and this is the show that you used to promote Space Jam on, you know what I mean? Like this is like quite the contrast that you get on this show, but I mean, this is the. This is not a um, an outlier on AEW program. This is AEW's brand. They have established like these bloodbaths. Like they do very violent matches and yeah, and have continued with them. So like that is part of the brand. This was not them going outside their comfort zone. Like this is the natural progression of these types of matches for AEW that are always going to need to escalate. Yep, and it is nine o'clock. You know, like the whatever rating that the show is. Uh, Anthony wanted to correct you. It's it's actually Warner Brothers who owns Space Jam and not Disney. Before all the uh, before all the Disney people, but the point remains. It's I mean it's a kids branded movie, and we're not here obviously being like ah this is this stuff is really uh, dangerous. It shouldn't no, should but I'm just TV. saying like this is part but, of like these are questions. These, these are, are questions. questions like the company has to decide as well. Like is this? I have no doubt this is going to do a giant number for the company, and it's all in like we are selling this this product like we are selling this to sponsors and does this land with them is this like does this work does this not um fans i think for the most part are going to love this that's that's great it's but you're looking at different audiences as well of how they're going to uh t- to take to this ultimately 
Yeah, if there is any fallout from this, I mean, it, it's another one of those kind of really strange, almost unpredictable things when it comes to producing TV versus, let's say, a Nick Gage match at a GCW event where you can really just do whatever you want. Play whatever, play Metallica, like, as much as you want. Um, as far as the match goes, I definitely feel like Jericho came in here and was like, he probably watched the, I would, I would think he watched the Zack Ryder match on Sunday. He probably saw a number of Nick Gage matches and thought, okay, what am I willing to take? Of all what weeks, the- like, like the bar is like, they, that Very is high. fresh in everyone's mind. That was yep. not just some under the radar match. A lot of people checked that out and that was going to be the bar that he had to exceed. And I think, I would think most people Jericho went way further than people expected. And I don't like, I would not have, I thought we, you have to do light tubes and you had Mm -hmm. to do a pizza cutter spot. I wasn't expecting glass. Uh, I mean, all well, it was Gage taking the glass, but I mean, he did take a a move onto the glass. You're right. I'm just saying but, glass in general being used in the, okay. in the match. Like they've I used glass. Know. Like it was like a Mox Omega match where I feel like that might've been worked glass. Remember like the bag of glass, you know, they've done stuff like that, but Don was on pay-per-view though. Yeah, true. So, you know, I'm sure Jericho was like thinking, okay, what am I, what am I willing to take? And what am I expected to take? What is this audience when they're being prompted, you know, promoted when they're promoting a Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho match? If I don't take light tubes, if I don't take the pizza cutter spot, this this audience is going to shit all over this match. So he came out here and he took all those spots. So credit to this guy at his age doing this match with uh, 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 Nick Gage on TV. And I think, you know, like bleeding more didn't than need we've to do seen this. Like they did not have to go in the Nick Gage direction. Like the second you announced Nick Gage last week. This is what your audience that is aware of Nick Gage is expecting. They could have gone in any, like, dude, this labor of Jericho thing, the sky's the limit of surprises, different matches, different styles. This, it was not the only destination you had to go. So, I mean, credit to them that they felt like this is a worthwhile um, way to go for this, for this story. Yeah. You know, you had said that, like, this was an authentic Nick Gage match. And I think in-ring, content-wise, I, I don't necessarily disagree. But I don't feel it was authentic because you did not have that same crowd atmosphere. And I never... I mean, I always knew the crowd participation, and that in particular, that GCW audience meant a whole lot for a Nick Gage match. I didn't really know exactly how much until I saw this. Well, this wait a minute, you audience. didn't see the entrance, so you don't even know. Well, I mean, I saw the match. You know, and, and and that was the main thing. I, I, I'm i assuming he did not come out to Metallica, John. Okay, so I don't think he would have had the same atmosphere. Well, also, apparently, I, Justin Roberts did a hell of a intro for him. Is that like, right? You okay. kind of got to replicate like uh, MLJ to uh, get the Nick Gage experience. But it sounded like Justin Roberts did. Like, I, I saw like a lot of compliments towards like him uh, doing the entrance for. Cool. For Nick yeah, Gage. you're right. I, I'll, I'll probably have to go back. But like. There's nothing like a Nick Gage at a GCW show type of reaction. You know, maybe just coming off of that match on, on the weekend to this, it felt... But in terms of the different. violence, like, I, I think this was, like, this pretty much matched, like, I would think what the most optimistic uh, viewer was that watched on Saturday went into tonight's show with. I think it had to exceed um, the over-under on how far they would go in this match. Yeah, it, it, it either matched it, maybe even slightly exceeded it for what I thought Chris Jericho was able to take, what they'd be able to present on Dynamite. But 
really like the crowd adds so much to this in a in a smaller packed environment so it just gives me you know a different appreciation and again it's like it's nothing on cage this is his first match in front of this crowd as much as you and i and the people that listen to the show might like might have been excited by by last week's announcement uh, maybe there's a majority of even aew weekly watchers who aren't really familiar and not as excited you know about it so do you think he returns it to aew so what I honestly thought that at the end of this, like they had set it up pretty well that I thought what would happen was Gage loses. It's a violent match. And then you have MJF like slap him or something. And Gage gets the big baby face spot laying out MJF at the end of the night or something. And that sets up the, the door for a return. They did not do that. And you've kind of left it. I Like Nick Gage, I do not see him being someone that could be a weekly character to me, he would be sort of that. I, and I, and I think that this is worthwhile kind of like that, that roughhouse Fargo template of somebody that once a year you announce he's coming back and it's a big deal because you know that he's different from everybody else. And I think you could do this like once a year, twice a year tops that Nick Gage comes in for a big match and on a TV show or a pay-per-view John. I think it's because I, I think tonight's is... number is going to tell a lot. Like if if there if this is like they had the green light to do all of this and it's a big audience and there's no fallout, this could be a television event for mm-hmm. AEW to do again. Because um, my only issue is is like it makes sense if you for special attractions to be on pay per view, but AEW only has so many pay per view spots, and being on a pay per view isn't just the match; it's the build up to it, all the airtime that you're devoting to this person who you're not going to necessarily benefit from every single week if he's only going to be a partial attraction. So, does that make sense for AEW? But if it's TV, then yeah, maybe maybe it makes sense from time to time. Like having Nick Gage just cut promos for a few weeks, and then it leads to something like that. Like I think this match is going to do a really big number Olympics or not. I think it's going to do very well. I think this whole show is going to do very well. Um, and Gage is going to deserve credit for that. If that figure is high and it's going to be the most people that have ever seen Nick Gage. This is a total win for game changer wrestling, who essentially got a 20 minute commercial. And at the end of it, I think that it's, it's going to be based on, I think just the, the reception to this match and I could certainly see him coming back again, but nothing like this could also be treated as, as a one-off. They certainly didn't leave anything uh, dangling for a follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's going to be a wrestler and it's going to be a match style that is going to be incredibly polarizing. Some people who were interested uh, will, will probably check out his next GCW match and, other people will stay far away from it. And that's what you get with this particular style. You either really, really love it or you really, really hate it. And then he can do the, the podcast with Jericho as they go through this. That's what I look forward to. It's the podcast. Yeah. So MJF is pissed off. He tells the crowd to shut up. And the third labor, the stipulation is that Jericho is going to have to hit a maneuver off the top rope to win. Creative. Okay. Does that mean he can win with like a double axe or a high cross? Technically, te- is if it's off the top rope, yeah. Technically, yes, he could win that way. I'm expecting like him to try a shooting star press. Holy, has he ever in his career? Yes, he did one in uh, like that was the thing he tried in in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Him and Lance were working a big show, 
And during the day, he tried out a shooting star press, broke his arm, and then had to come back and work through the match with a broken arm. Oh, my God. What is like, like this guy seems to just have a bucket list of what do I want to do in my career? And I bet you a shooting star press might be on the list because of that Smoky Mountain wrestling injury. Shut up, dude. Like, I'm sorry. There's no way that is happening. No <laughs> way. Let's not get our expectations up that like well, we, we're, he, we should he be thankful he can do the frog splash. OK, he's got to do something spectacular. <laughs> this is not doing a shooting star of the press, match. Man. <laughs> he's probably trying like think he's winning right with now, an elbow week. drop off the top like that's the whole stipulation of the match i just i mean okay he can moonsault you know that that's 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 cool enough right yeah like i i can't i'm i'd be pretty pleased with that man like for for his age like what you know what else can he would he do like what would what would pass your level of like acceptance you know in in terms of uh impressiveness Oh, I don't I don't care what he does. I'm just saying that I just think it'll be you've built the stipulation around a top rope maneuver and I mean I think you MJF have MJF to... really if there's a spin, like <laughs> MJF really should have said you <laughs> the, the stipulation should be you have to do a It has to be press. at least 180 degree <laughs> rotation off the top. <laughs> so MJF says, as for the opponent, uh I have a really good memory and we air a clip. From November 13th, 2019, where Chris Jericho brings up Juventud Guerrera and MJF yells, who the <laughs> hell is Hoovy? And Jericho tells him to go YouTube him. Juventud Guerrera versus Chris Jericho on AEW Dynamite next week on TNT. I don't know how they arrived at Juventud Guerrera in 2021. I'm really enjoying this like labors of Jericho thing because it is the most random out of nowhere names um, already for the first two, you know, but like, I don't know in what association you would draw between Nick Gage and Juventud Herrera in any conversation, unless it was like, uh, uh, I don't know, members of the Conan's podcast, uh, you know, like guess I, I can't, I, I like, Hooventude's cool. I look forward to seeing what what that match is going to be like, what he's looking like. I really hope that they throw back to some, like, classic Jericho WCW spots. Like, I feel like this will be a match for all the nostalgic WCW fans. Now I just really want to know who labor number three, four, and five are. This is number three, so they've got, so it's two after this. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Five altogether? number three. Now I really want to know what four and five are, okay? And I is think any of them... five is MJF. I think that's how they set it up. What? Oh, okay. I think four is the last mystery, and then the fifth laborer is MJF, if I'm not mistaken. So, what corner from Jericho's, or, or what corner from wrestling do you think that they will pluck from next? I mean, the last one has to be, um, you know, it's going to be a choice. Everyone has said that one, and if not for like. I mean, the border now is like less, uh, less of an issue than it was. I just he I can don't get across for sure. He can. He can. Um, there's also like Lance has actually talked about this about the fact that um, because he's no longer with WWE. I mean, if he were to go down to the U.S. and run into any kind of like healthcare issue, it's like you could get stranded there. In, in he, he explained this. This was more so when the border was closed and it would actually be 
it could be very uh, costly if you're a Canadian and you get stuck there. I guess that's less of an issue now because the borders are not Especially as... Especially if you have Tony Khan, like, signing your papers. I mean, that's... It's, it's a great idea. It's, you know, you have to beat the guy that you started your career with. Um, you know, both, <laughs> I'm sure, would love to do it. Random and suggesting Bruce Hart. I will guarantee <laughs> it's not going to be Bruce Hart. Um, so there you go. That was a fight for the fallen. You know, I had a lot of fun watching this show just between for the the first opening match is like one of my favorite AEW matches already. It's it's like it's it's done such a great job of building my interest for Kenny Omega versus uh, Paige. And to me, like in ring wise, I feel the show peaked there. But the rest of the show was really strong in terms of, I think, uh, announcements, you know, with the punk thing, with Tanahashi being announced on the show. And then the matches, too, I feel they I had a lot of anticipation for a lot of them. Uh, unfortunately, FTR versus Proud and Powerful did not live up to those expectations due to injury. And Cage and Jericho, I sorry, Cage and Jericho, I thought was like in ring wise, really up to my my level of expectation. But the crowd reaction perhaps was a little bit lacking for me towards the end of the show. I don't know if it's because they were tired or whatever, or maybe I'm trying to compare this to a GCW event that just for some reason sounds that much louder in such a condensed venue. Um, but, you know, the show to me peaked at the beginning, but the rest of it, I, I had a lot of fun watching. It was, you know, this is a very exciting show to watch there. They have a ton of buzz on them. I think that it's, it's a portion of like a lot of different characters and stories that are clicking, but it's also this overall theme of constantly dangling more of what's coming up. Like that's a constant theme of AEW. It's that, there we we have so much stuff lined up that it's just constantly building excitement for for future ideas whether um whether they are controlling the message or it's other stuff that people are expecting and it's just it's a very fast moving show with a lot of just intriguing stuff that just seems to all be hitting and you've got these red hot crowds that are greatly amplifying i think people's enjoyment of dynamite and now they are playing with our expectations of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan eventually making their way on this show. Um, and, you know, again, wrestling fans, we love to know, but we also love to not know. So um, how are they going to, I don't know, dangle it? Uh, that came out wrong. but yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the forum. We have a bit of feedback here. Tonight's show gets a 7.7. So looking to see everyone's feedback here. We start off with Mark. AEW continues their streak of fantastic shows. They've come out of Daily's place with a month of the best TV they've ever produced. This show had something literally for every type of fan. It's so fun watching a weekly show that's enjoyable, makes you want to continue watching week after week. The show flies by and makes me look forward to the weeks and months ahead. The feeling is something I literally have not had in decades for a nationally broadcast product. We got a Chris from Melbourne who says, I continue to be really excited by AEW and keen to know what's coming next. For the last two weeks, there's been so much discussion and debate online about how the five-on-five match was going to be booked, and that kind of trusted unpredictability is what makes wrestling so great. It wasn't that they booked themselves into a corner and the mystery was how they would get out of it, a la WWE. Instead, you trust that they've set up a complex story and you're intrigued as to which of the many possible paths it could go down, trusting that any of them will be good if told right. I love Darby and MJF both making CM Punk references in their promos. Only downside is I was genuinely concerned JR was about to quit and walk out during the main event. What a show. Can't wait for the first dance. 
Uh, did you catch the um, MJF reference? To Punk. Um, sorry, I was scanning ahead, so I didn't even hear. Um, I didn't well, did catch, catch what, whatever MJF said. No. Yeah, I, I missed it too. Well, I think there's going to be plenty of that kind of stuff uh, over the next mm -hmm. week or two. So I think it only makes sense to feed into it. MJ writes, uh, the Warner crossover with Space Jam is great to see. Like or dislike the entrance. It was very good business. I recall thinking the same for Winter is Coming, which was HBO Warner as well. They That they trust AEW with those brands is notable. Also on the on that front, I have to imagine TNT saw the Matt Cardona match and okayed it as the spots were all very similar. Nick Nick Jackson missing the dunk on purpose or not was a deep cut for weekly BTE as he's been working on trick shots on trick shot bits for weeks, if not months. He says that anyone from Jericho's New Japan past you'd bring since since we're getting a WCW rival. Um, I don't see them doing a New Japan opponent because the options would be limited to uh, I mean, they've got to wrap this up. I don't I don't see them doing Jericho and Tanahashi. Which no, not on option. Dynamite. Yeah, I don't really see that either. Um, yeah, who else? Who knows? We go up um, next to... Oh, sorry, yeah, do you want to... We got a Noah from Vaughn who says, Holy cow, that was an insane show, guys. Say whatever you want about Jericho, but at 50 years old, he does not need to be in a match like that. But the fact that he went through with it, did so well, and took as much punishment as he did really is absolutely impressive and so incredible. So much respect to him for that match. As far as the opening match goes, I thought it was a I thought it was fantastic and left me so curious where they go in the future with Hangman. But I have trust in AEW's creative process that we will eventually get a satisfying conclusion to the Hangman story. So good news, the CM Punk chance for the past seven years finally worked and we got him back. Darby versus Punk is such a dream match and would be a hell of a main event for the United Center. I don't yeah, think I they would have him wrestle that first night. He's just he's just gonna appear. I, w I would think that that is, again, like it's, it, it's very interesting of how, of how you promote that. Yeah. I feel like there's already enough interest in seeing him come out and talk. And I think you can delay the match for a pay-per-view or another big show. Uh, we go up next to Andrew from St. John. The main event didn't pull any punches. They set out to showcase a GCW-style deathmatch on live TV, and they delivered the company's most brutal-looking match yet. Pizza cutters are a little over my threshold of comfort, and you saw people in the crowd cringing as well. But it was a level of violence that got Gage over as a true madman, and you can't argue Jericho didn't go through the meat grinder to sell the story of his labors. I gotta say, I had fun watching through my fingers like a horror movie. Opening 10-man was a lot of fun and has me anxious to figure out what's next for Hangman. Gives the show a 9 out of 10. TSN cutting to picture-in-picture picture during a Moxley promo and cutting out Jericho and Gage's entrances was bizarre. TNT showed a Domino's ad after the pizza cutter spot. You're telling me TSN couldn't book Pizza Pizza? So obviously, they did not know probably what they were cutting into. In fact, they just didn't know that they were cutting into something wrong uh, at a time when they didn't know anyway. It's, you know, somebody's mistake, unfortunately. There was a lot uh, of cutting into. Pe you're right. People in the room are saying the MJF Punk reference was when he started off his promo with the first line from Punk's Pipe Bomb promo. So something to that effect. We got a mugging who says the 10-man elimination tag was very fun, but the choice to have the elite win sucked all the air out of my room. Hangman getting stimmied wasn't what I wanted. Do you feel that way, John? 
Nope, not at all. I thought it was really great the way they did it. And I think everyone understands that this is like, this is not the end of the story. This is just a yeah. detour that they're taking. And the audience is they're totally into this. Yeah. I, I, we are, we're still in the, in, in the midst of like the first and second act here, you know, for him to like get a culminating win. I just didn't think it was necessary. And for me, I look at the, the, the end result of the match and it's that they have shown that this guy can win when it is a fair fight. They have proven that. And that to me is as good of a win. But, you know, it, it, because it's not officially recognized, I have something now to look forward to. I'll tell you, like going into tonight, whether Paige was going to win, I did not want to see him pin Kenny Omega on this show. Like that is the mm -hmm. huge loss. You're not going to yep. do that in this match. I thought like the best case is you do something where, like the buckshot lariat takes Omega out to the floor and you sell the devastating effect that if he hits that in the match, it's over. But to beat Kenny Omega, to me, like that's the big moment. That's the pop you're building all of this towards. And you couldn't do it in this kind of setting. Uh, he says, fresh off of watching Matt Cardona, Nick Gage, and after seeing Jericho versus Gage tonight, I've maxed out on death matches for a while. Granted, the latter wasn't one per se. Okay, we go to Marvin, who writes, uh, he was here at Fight for the Fallen in Charlotte. The show was amazing. The crowd was amazing. The crowd seemed to be into every match, especially the elimination match. I wasn't expecting Hangman, Hangman Page to lose. Who do you guys think is next for Kenny? Also want to shout out my boy, Milt, Alex, and Dave. All right. Milt, Alex, and Dave. Um, I think Hangman is next for Kenny, but I could see them, as you mentioned, way him doing... Uh, a TV match over the next month. You have a lot of big shows, um, both in August and after All Out in September. So I could see, like, they should be very strategic with uh, Kenny's matches um, over the over the next while. But I could certainly see a, a TV match in August. Yeah, they could do a singles match really with anybody. But um, in the rankings is, well, they just did the Jungle Boy match. So up next would be Christian. Christian is the one they were pushing as undefeated tonight. I'm sure he beats the blade next week and maybe, and maybe they do Omega and Christian cage at one of these shows. Yep. We got a Jesse who says outstanding opener. I was surprised by the ending though. I hope this isn't the end of the page Omega storyline. No, <laughs> uh, I don't think it will be. Just I think you have like a generation of people that have like watched like, WWE booking where it's just, I think very little faith in anything beyond uh, a week to week basis. And it's like, it, it's a totally different, like it's almost like a reeducation process for a lot of people to see these angles play out in a very natural way. I would say. I don't subscribe to the idea that wins and losses don't matter. They absolutely do. But more important than wins and losses is the storytelling. And if you watch the storytelling tonight, everything was gearing towards you wanting to see Hangman ultimately conquer Kenny Omega. Hangman came out of that match as the built-up star, everybody. So even though he took the pinfall loss, look at the overall picture. Who is the bigger star coming out of this? Who are the fans cheering at the end of this match? It's Paige. Uh, okay, he also goes on to say, as excited as I am to see pa Brian Danielson and Punk come in, they really have something with this Page Omega storyline, and I hope they still plan on doing this match at the pay-per-view. Yeah. I woke my kids up, I cheered so loud when they announced they were coming to the United Center, and immediately after, had Darby talk about being the best in the world. No dub Punk is signed now. The backlash toward the company would be overwhelming if after all this, 
Punk doesn't show up in Chicago. I like the main event. I can understand how that type of match is in everyone's cup of tea, but as long as they don't do it every week, I can appreciate it. All right. Next up is Dan, another thrill ride of a dynamite delivering way more hits than misses. And God help me, I was suckered into loving the shameless cross-promotion segment too. I just assumed it was a very on-brand elite spoof until the ad popped up. Lots to enjoy tonight. I love the opening elimination. I felt Thunder Rosa's charisma radiated throughout the screen during her bout and dug the bloody main event spectacle. Um, All right. Maybe Home Depot wants to get the cross-promotion game with all these light tubes. I had to buy a light tube recently. You know, they're not even really making them like that pop that common anymore. I believe they're, they're definitely phasing them out because they're not as energy efficient and uh, dangerous, of course. Well, maybe so, this industry is going to keep that industry going a little longer. Yeah. What are they going to replace with light tubes once all the light tubes go out? LED bulbs? I mean, that's not nearly as, you know. Lego. Lego is going to make the, uh, a f- further thir- surge or maybe a... Um... Uh, a knockoff brand did a number on my laptop, so we know how dangerous it is. Very. Uh, we we got a milt. The aforementioned is this the milt, milt. The milt. <laughs> yeah, he says, "What's up, John and Wa? It's your boy Milt. I'm here live at AEW Fight for the Fallen, and I got to tell you, this show was crazy. I lost my voice during the elimination match. The crowd was into every single match, and it was fun being out here. I hope Cash Wheeler is okay. Seemed like they ended that match fast, but overall, the show was a lot of fun." Shout out to my boy Marvin, <laughs> Alex, and David. Love you guys. Your boy Milt. Are we um, going to get one from Marvin and Alex? Uh, we're going to find out. We get? Yeah. Okay, let's All do right. a few more here. Josh from uh, Vietnam, who says that this was a packed episode. Tanahashi appears on TNT. Um, five on five elimination tag was outstanding. My emotional connection is that ending was above anything in a long time. The result was a real shocker and I don't really know how to feel about it. I trust AEW to book a great long-term story. Main event was wild. I'm very much enjoying the labors of Jericho. And honestly, just the fact that I never know who could show up on an episode of dynamite is exciting. That's something they've really created now is this sense that I, I do think like this is a very important part of a show is not just, you know, you deliver hopefully like, Quality wrestling, great promos, like all your hallmarks. But I think it's also that you want to have some news coming out of a show. Like that to me is an exciting part is that people are reacting to the Darby Allen line, the United Center card, the Tanahashi news. Like they all every week they set up matches for the next week. Like there's news coming out of every show and it makes it very important to watch it. And they... Like, they maximize the segments that they have. I think that's, like, a huge thing that they... And these surprises that have become, like, fairly commonplace. You don't know if one segment, all of a sudden, Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to have a message for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, every show, you know, the the message is that every show is worth watching. You skip one, you miss a big chunk of story. So, uh, it keeps Andrew Thompson very busy on the website. Finally, we got a scrump who says, I wish I could come on here and give some sort of cryptic hint as to what's going to happen at the United Center in a few weeks, but I honestly don't know. I will say that approximately nine minutes away from the Madhouse on Madison lives my buddy Phil. Okay. The Madhouse on Madison. Is that the United Center? Uh, Yes. Okay. All right. So he doesn't even have to hide out in the trailer that week. or that No, day. he, he could come walk. over and like the, uh, just wait till his quarter and he could just... Ride his he bike could over. make his entrance during, like, the song. They could play the, 
<laughs> like living color and you could step out of bed <laughs> like they could follow they could do the goldberg entrance from his apartment they could do the one where the yeah ring. where he showed up in japan and they just followed him from like the train all the way to the tokyo dome they did no, for who they, goldberg and they just kept the camera on him and it was like painfully long <laughs> just have a camera on punk leaving his apartment and they're <laughs> going over to the arena you know, make a stop at like you know the convenience store. His entry, it's like he gets the last forty-five minutes of the show. Just follows just, him. Just the walk. Yeah, sure. I I was like half joking when I when I said it, but honestly, like given it's now we know it's the United Center. Like the idea of the lights going out and serious playing, I think that's an awesome theme for punk to use. They'll definitely use it. I feel they're theming the show like the first dance. They are like, why don't you go all into that? It's like, I it's a synonymous will. song that people associate with Chicago. And I think it's like, I don't want to hear punk go. And I don't think punk would want to go back to live in color. I think he would want to start. Why don't you think so? He used it for his UFC fight. Like that's I his ID now. I don't think he had any kind of um, sentimental attachment to what song he was walking out to for his UFC fight. But look at I every do. chapter of his career that has had um, a new song attached to it. I, I just he think living color for UFC if he, if he didn't care that much about the song. And uh, I think you're overestimating how much control fighters have over their themes. Like I very much think like U- UFC may have thought that's the song that's synonymous. They would have had your, your line of thinking. I don't think he would have cared. I, I think fighters get to choose whatever song they want. Right? Uh, lots of them get turned down. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I imagine CM Punk, though, would probably have quite a bit of say as far as what song he would want to come out to. And, uh, like, I just wouldn't be surprised. It's such it's such an identifiable song with him now. I do think they'll use that other song for maybe the day. But I feel like his, you know, ultimate entrance is going to be Living Color. But whatever. Like, whatever song it is, he can come out to, like, the sound of farting. And, like, this audience is going to go, go go crazy. All right, Scrump says, will Gato be the next labor or is that just wish, wishful thinking? Uh, probably wishful thinking. I'm baffled how anybody could argue that after that last few weeks, AEW isn't objectively the best wrestling show on TV. Keep your eyes out on August 20th as I'll be the one in the front row with the post-wrestling snapback. All right. There you go. Always good to hear from Scrump. All right. A lot of feedback tonight. A lot of interest. Yeah, this feels like a big show. Do you have any prediction on rating? I think it's going to be really strong tonight. I... If they top a million again, it's not going to surprise me. I don't know if the Olympics are going to be the factor. Like I think if it's mm. a hot show, I I don't know how much they're going to be hurt by the Olympics. But it's it's the first week that they've gone against the Olympics. We've seen uh, to the effect it had on Raw, on uh, Raw would be and SmackDown as well. But we'll see what impact it has on AEW. Like if they if they're even close to a million, and more importantly, like what the, what their demo drives. Like I just think that there's a lot. Of There was a lot of interest in tonight's show from the Nick Gage stuff over the last week and the Punk and Brian stuff that I think is fueling a lot of interest in the show overall that I, I am more on the high end for tonight's show. And certainly for that quarter for the main event. As am I. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out probably tomorrow. Postwrestling.com. Okay, we're going to say goodbye tomorrow. Bellator 263 post show. Preview show. Preview show. We're not going to be able to uh, predict what happens on Saturday. Wellness policy at 1 Eastern for all cafe head, members. Head to head, everybody. It's the Thursday 1 p.m. wars. Yeah, we're going to find them. out what, what 
what impact are the Olympics going to have on our live shows at one Eastern on, on Thursday? We're going to find out. I don't even know what we're going up against. And maybe the show will simulcast. We'll have a joint wellness policy Bellator preview show. Uh, Phil could probably pull that off. I'm, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm just there to talk. That's my role. And then, of course, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure for more CM Punk talk. That's all coming out Thursday. Postwrestling.com. Subscribe. Uh, leave us a rating if you are so inclined. Yeah. Wonderful. Where? I get everyone's where messages be- on Monday. Most of them are very kind. Yeah. Leave the others, a rating on... Uh, on- the, the negatives are whenever we talk about real world issues. Okay. Social justice warriors. All right. Yeah, I don't see any of those. So, like, they're not even a part of my world. Oh. I would say uh, leave, a, leave a nice YouTube comment. Yeah. You know? It's always nice. Yeah, that's, that's usually YouTube an oxymoron. Comment. Yeah, usually. People are or typically the dirt worst on YouTube. But we, I think we have a pretty nice feedback of people on our channel. Yeah, sure. Or just say something nice to somebody, anybody today. Yeah, leave a, give someone an in-person piece of feedback. Just say, hi, you're a, you're a wonderful person. Yeah, sure. The world It'll freak them out, that. but the gesture is nice. It'll Re- sink in. Leave a review for the next random person you walk across the street. Sure. All right. Yeah. On All that right. note, goodbye.